Hello. Choose Trust is our regular podcast looking at how to build high trust relationships in business and the value that brings to everyone involved. I'm Stuart Meister, and together with my co-presenter Kevin Vaughan-Smith, we're writing a book for Economist Books with the same name, Choose Trust. So, we thought we'd meet and interview leaders who put some of these principles into practice and hear their real-world experiences of doing so and the value that brought. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please subscribe and, of course, please do share it. Welcome to this edition of Choose Trust. Uh, I'm Stuart Mason, the Joint Managing Director for Mutual Value, where my colleague Kevin is away at the moment, so it's just me, but that's great because with me is Nick Hale, who's the Group CEO of the OMP Group, and the OMP Group is a VC-backed firm which is looking to disrupt the property sector through technology, as we'll hear in a moment. Now, I've known Nick for some years since he ran a business within the BT Group in the UK, and I wanted to speak with him about trust because I genuinely have observed for myself uh, his very warm, very empathetic style of leadership that empowers people around him. I've seen that with my own eyes. And having worked with him as a consultant, I know that he's a terrifically trusting client, which means it's much easier to create value together. Now, a very quick run through Nick's CV. He started his career in the supply chain side of Guinness and Virgin Atlantic before having a 12-year stint as a consultant at Accenture and KPMG. Then he joined BT in his first managing director role, which is where we met. Nick led various, very significant businesses within BT, large businesses outside, we've been seen as large businesses outside of BT, but in a company the size of BT are just businesses. I mean, he was moving so quickly, frankly, I expected him to become group CEO one day there, but he left BT to grow and lead scale up businesses, which is why he's now running the OMP group. So, Nick, welcome. Hello. How are you? Well, thank you very much. Good to be here. I appreciate uh, appreciate your words. Now, Nick, um, just start by telling us about the OMP Group. What what is the OMP Group, and what is your ambition for it? It has a great sense of purpose. Everybody deserves a place to call home, and I think it is fair to say that if most people think about conveyancing and their experiences not dissimilar to the telco industry, it has not historically had a great reputation for being consumer-led, high quality, uh, and, a, you know, and, and, and an experience that provides joy. So what we're trying to do with, uh, within ONP Group is bring together technology, bring together people who are passionate about helping individual clients and partners make the move, use our clear sense of purpose, our skills and experience to make sure that, frankly, we disrupt a sector by creating a consumer-led experience for people who are remortgages by, remortgaging, buying and selling homes that is an experience, a life experience, um, that people are truly you know, proud of uh, and excited by, rather than a process that historically, arguably, has some level of anxiety uh, that we would rather, you know, wasn't present. 
just briefly, what does that mean in practice? Nick? Because make, you know, making it a much better experience sounds great, but there, are, look, there is a bunch of legality you just have to go through when you're sure. saying remorse. Well, let me, give you, let, let yeah. me give you a really clear example. Uh, my wife and I remortgaged our home about five months ago. We did that from start to finish using an app, sitting on our sofa in the evening after the kids had gone to bed in nine days. That is, you know, that was the equivalent of us doing a Sainsbury's order or an Ocado order, sitting on our sofa. That was the convenience. That was the joy. It was very personal. I communicated with our case manager. You know, we answered queries. We confirmed our identities. Everything worked as it should have, but it was a digital experience from start to finish with a personal touch and interaction where it was important because of course we had queries through the process. Why would anything to do with buying, selling or remortgaging a home be any different to a consumer experience you, you would expect in any, any other part of your lives? And if you consider the group, you know, in some shape or form, we touch about 20% of all sale and purchase transactions in the UK. In some shape or form, we touch um, around 25% of all remortgage uh, transactions in the UK and therefore we believe that working with partners closely we will be able to, do, to to deliver a customer experience that very pleasantly surprises people that can transform the market in ways that people had not expected and enables our team to be part of something that they look can look back on in time with massive pride. Okay well look we're going to talk a lot in this discussion about lead, trust within leadership more generally. But while we're talking about the OMP group specifically, you're, you're describing there a service proposition, which either works or it doesn't work. If it works, it's great. And that's fantastic. What part does trust, building trust in the process or in the organization play in the success of that? Or is it simply it either works or it doesn't and that's that's the end of the story? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, th I, mean, I think there's multiple dimensions of this. Um, I think the most fundamental point is around early communication and setting expectations. So one of the things that we talk about is and, and this is a you know a kind of uh, I guess a detail of you know being you know in, in, in property law, but we ask every person to speak to a client within 24 hours of being instructed. Introduce yourself. Talk about the process they're about to go through. Not everyone will understand it. Answer their questions. Set expectations around the realities of what might slow us down or what they can do to help speed us up. But build a rapport and build some trust so that if people are anxious, not quite sure, confused, agitated, they feel like they've got the ability to drop an email or pick up the phone and converse with the people with a person that you know they feel like they've they've met and feel you know good with. You know that. Establishing the trust at the beginning is, you know, is, is super important and can and can carry you through uh, in a very good way. And it turns it from, in my opinion, a transaction through to an experience. And it should be an experience, not a transaction. 
this is a really critical point you just made and and just to share uh, with you and with with anyone listening that the, the our trust model which is at the fun the basis of the work that we do has three dimensions we we try and define what is trust so everyone says we want to be trustworthy what does it mean we believe there are three dimensions the first of these and it's the big departure between us and other trust models that have been around for many years is clarity which is what exactly what you've just described which is if we're both really clear what we're trying to do together what's going to happen how what that looks like our ambition together the value we're going to create uh if you like then being clear is a foundation of trust just in passing the other which we'll talk about the other two dimensions are character which are the behaviors then that are then demonstrated that prove we meant what we said or not so we either build or destroy trust by that and then the third is the capability which is the joint capability so your organization will have capabilities you're bringing to a customer but they need to do certain things too in order for this to work it's not just down to you and that has to be clear too so just on this clarity piece what what diff, that what you've just described is a, a great example of clarity to build trust this is what's going to happen this is what might go wrong this is what we're trying to do together that's a great definition of it now what difference has it made in the success of the business or the process for your people to do that rather than as it were simply have an app that people interact with um we we have shifted our expectations of how uh, how we as a team engage with our clients and when we do it. You know, this doesn't come just down to, you know, kind of pushing people harder to, you know, communicate. It, you know, it's required some careful thought. We, you know, we identified through our work there were times in an, in the let's call it an experience rather than a transaction, which is you know my, the way I think about it, where we were not communicating where we really should have done because they were important milestones and moments in what was happening to somebody going through you know what is a life event of buying, selling, or remortgaging a home, and there were times where we were communicating, you know whether through email messaging or, or phone calls things that actually were, you know, arguably fairly incidental and um, an, an irritant. What we try to do between the way in which we um, engage our, our team and the way in which we have reset our view of how the customer experience should pan out is to, to, to make sure that, you know, Come back to the point we set expectations right from the beginning that we do our very best to establish a rapport with a client or a partner so that we can have very honest dialogue with integrity you know through whatever happens next that we take the time to listen and are empathetic to situations um you know for instance a person selling a home may not be selling a home because they are moving to their dream home. They may be selling a home through a bereavement situation, which is, you know, highly emotional, you know, in a sad way, as opposed to a, joy, uh, a joyful way. Um, but what we try to do through all of these communications is establish 
I guess, an implicit message that we care. And how do you ensure, Nick, that, that the behaviours that are then demonstrated by your people uh, follow through on that? So that that, it, that, it, that is a, that, okay. So you might have a great initial conversation, but that there may be various touch points where that doesn't feel um, personal. What what do you do to, well, to look, change that? I'm not sure there's any magic answers to that question. To be honest, um, uh, you know, at, at, at risk of you know sounding, um, I, I guess, a bit simplistic. I think we're quite non-hierarchical as a culture. You know, you introduced me as the group CEO. That's not how I think of myself. I'm just a member of the team who does a slightly different role to other people. We all play, you know, we all make a contribution. We just do different things. We're all part of the same team. And it doesn't matter whether you're the person making the course of the client or you're the person, you know, who's part of the recruitment process or you're the partner person who, you know, does the tech development that enables our, you know, the, the, the tools that our people, we just all do, we all do different things. And I think where I have, when I have been part of teams who all feel that they are part of a common purpose, then you get a better result. Because the reality is people make tens of decisions every single day that you will never, ever be able to measure, touch or feel that have an influence on customer experience, financial performance, and how engaged people feel in their jobs. You'll never be able to touch them, right? You'll never see it. So you have to be, as much as you possibly can, part of the team, demonstrating consistently that you are contributing alongside everybody else to deliver on a common purpose and a, and a common um, ambition. Now, you know, when it comes specifically, how do I know that people are on with that journey and we are progressing. I mean, honestly, I look at fairly data-driven metrics. I look at our NPS score, which in the case of OMPG Group, you know, over the last, across multiple rounds over the course of the last 10 months has gone up by 50 points. I look at CSAT, which over the course of the last, um, you know, 10 months has gone up by, you know, 45 points. Hey, do you want to just, just define those levels? Just Sorry. to know, so, so NPS is net, net promoter score, CSAT. And, and client satisfaction. So right. effectively, how many, you know, how many promoters and detractors come through? You know, the number of people that basically comment on, our, on the service we provide has gone massively up. Typically, people comment where they're dissatisfied. And if you're getting it right, the balance shifts to people who are actually trying to you know, applaud your, your efforts and your contribution and what you've achieved. You know, we've gone from kind of telco level you know, net promoter scores to you know being in the 60s and 70s on both NPS and customer satisfaction. You know, that to me is the truest measure of the fact that you know, what we're doing, the culture we're trying to create, the trust that's implicit between peers, I mean, I don't mean hierarchically peers, I just mean peers as in we're all in the same team is coming together and we're you know we are pulling off what we all set out to achieve now i'm sure it's not universally felt um that you know we are you know people have drunk the omp kool-aid as it as as it were you know not everything we will we are doing will work for everyone not everybody in the team is at a point in their life where they 
you know, have have got the you know the ability to do what they want, put more into work. You know, people have lives outside of you know outside of work, but at the purest measure, are our clients happy? Do our internal engagement scores reflect the fact that we are on what I call happy path? And are we listening? And have we got you know a list of very clear irritants and very clear positives? internally and externally that are things we should address to make it better and if people trust us to speak openly about stuff we're not getting right and to recognize the things we are getting right um then frankly you've got a team of people who are able to you know move forward together can i just dig down a bit more in this so uh, it's fantastic because you're obviously you you demonstrate real outcome from building this kind of collaborative culture and trusting culture outcome being much higher levels of customer experience as measured by the satisfaction and nps and so great can you be specific to me about what that looks like in practice i i want to trust people i want people to feel this what does give me tell me precisely what you and your colleagues do that 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 have changed the uh levels of trust within the business I am a big believer in the fact, in the principle of the team you build need the space to perform. I, you know, there was a wonderful guy, and I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning him, called Tony Chanmugam, was the group CFO of BT, who hired me and I worked for for many years, who said to me very wisely one day, when you build a team, make sure that every single person around the table is able to meet and exceed the expectations of their role whilst requiring less than 5% of your time. And I honestly, I, I, that goes through my mind pretty much every single day of my career. Every single person through the organisation needs to be trusted as the professionals they are to meet and exceed the expectations of their role, therefore grow personally and professionally and feel trusted. If a person cannot do that, they need support or, frankly, we might have put them into the wrong position or they're not the right person in the team, in which case, in the longer term, that's not right for the organisation and that's not right for them. But my answer to your question is, people need space to demonstrate what they are capable of. They need to feel supported. They need to feel coached and guided. But what they do not need is day-to-day spoon feeding because frankly, if they couldn't do the job, you wouldn't have hired them. Can I ask you where whether you've experienced the opposite? I, I'm very interested as equally in low trust behaviors where our trust is destroyed in, I mean, you've worked in, you've just quoted BT there. So BT is a massive organization with its own culture and you're running businesses within that culture, but you, you again, just described what one of the, the CFO told you. So that's a brilliant, uh, brilliant indication of what, what he was trying to help create. But where, where, where have you seen, without necessarily being specific about an organization, where have you seen trust being destroyed by leadership and what does that look like? Um, I mean, I mean, I'm going to be deliberately <laughs> slightly vague and generalist, but yeah, I think I have been in situations where 
as a team, you are being offered help. And help is not actually being offered help. Help is a, you know, an ever increasing amount of time updating people on what you're doing to actually try and fix the situation that the business is in. And, you know, it, 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 being non-specific about an organization, I remember something happening, you know, we deployed a massive amount, there was a massive tech change. And in 70 different sites, we deployed the tech and it worked perfectly. And then we got to the biggest location, which was deliberate at the end. And someone flicked the button on a Monday morning, everything stops and didn't start again for three weeks. And in that organization, we were doing about 50,000 individual customer orders per day. And it was an operational business. It was a massive problem. Was I and the team around me, and I, you know, afforded the space to, frankly, untangle a very difficult situation that had arisen? Or did we spend three days per week updating people on what we were doing to fix the problem? You know, in that scenario, what would have been great would be someone getting behind you and saying, Look, you know, as an example, you, you as the MD and the management team around you are not the people that have designed and deployed the technology. It has not gone to plan. Can we talk about what the contingency arrangements were in the event that this was going to occur? And let's just get comfortable that, you know, the plan is in place and it, and, and it will not be okay, but you know what I mean? Or was it um you know a you know a different conversation about looking in you know looking in the rear view mirror about you know how this has occurred and you sort of sometimes think you know you come out sometimes i have been in organizations where people come at you quote unquote offering help it is not help it is wanting to understand in more detail where we are while sucking up your time which essentially means you've got less time to actually deal with what's immediately in front of you and you know the reason i raise that is that is, you know, that is a scenario, in my opinion, where leaders need to be afforded the highest levels of trust. When the, in other words, when there's so this is the, the key when it, point in, here, a, but... in a in a bad moment. Yes. Trust people more. Don't trust them less. Right, because if you trust them less, the impact, you know, arguably on their ability to perform, their mental well-being the way they show up and how they will implicitly cascade their behavior onto other members of the team is deeply unhelpful in a tough moment which we've all had in our careers in my opinion <laughs> it's a bit like being a parent you know your kids and the team around you need to know you're there and you support them and you will guide them and you believe in them not the opposite. Very interesting, because uh, so that's, that's a very powerful point you've made, which is, I think, if I can try and summarise it, which is that if you don't trust people in that those bad moments, you actually amplify the badness of the moment. You make it even worse. And, and, and the other, the, the flip side of that, Nick, I think is, and we often do have this conversation with clients, is that, is that 
we ask the question when um, when they first establish a relationship, what are you going to do when th when there's things go wrong? Because it's when pressure's on, when there's a problem that you discover whether you're really trusted and trusting. Cool. And and you need to do our view is you need to find up front what we're going how we're going to deal with this when this happens because it's going to happen. What 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 are your thoughts on that? Um. I may not be answering your question quite in the way in which you, you wanted, so please keep me straight here. But yeah, I think in th possibly three buckets, in most organizations I've been part of, the balance is not correct. Are you willing people to succeed? Are you celebrating success? Or are you, and, and are you properly engaged in trying to talk through and work through what might go wrong or what has go wrong, gone wrong. And I think in some cases, you can have stakeholders that pop up when everything's brilliant. They pop up in you know, more voluminous ways, if that's the right word, when things are not going well and they're silent in the middle. But if you really wanna build trust, you need to be there through the whole journey and you know uh, again to to quote someone that i worked with previously i think to be a successful leader you need to be able to intuitively distinguish between an irritation an issue and a crisis and have precisely the same response to each i want to pick up one thing you said there nick if i may and and something you know is a is a hot bump for me which is storytelling and you sent you mentioned there one of the three things was celebrate success and yeah. telling the stories. I just want to get a, a sense for you of where you view storytelling or narrative around this issue in a way that has built trust in you as a leader, in your team, in the organization, in the product, whatever yeah. it happens to you. What how important is that in in this in this journey? Well, I I think storytelling is always incredibly important because people need to understand the why. You know, stating something very, very obvious. I think it's also important to make sure that there's authenticity in the in in the storytelling. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, I've probably said the same thing for ten, maybe fifteen years of my career since I've been in leadership roles, which is, yeah, I'm not driven by any particular ambition. I am driven personally by a bit of a fear, which sounds a little negative. And my fear simply is, if I'm lucky enough to have a long and healthy retirement, I'll sit in a quiet corner and reflect on what it could have been. If I'd been part of a different team, if we showed up in a different way, if we'd achieved things, you know, I want to look back with pride and feel like I was part of a team that did something super special. And I think for people to to hear what motivates you, drives you, and the ambition and the vision that the, the, the organization, not me, but the organization has, I think is um, you know super important. I mean the OMP group, we have multiple brands, multiple businesses doing different things in different parts of the market. Honestly, we want people to make the move and love the move. Everybody deserves a place to call home. We are leveraging technology and people to bring together an experience that reassures 
and ideally provides joy in the process. And I, I, I think that is not typical of the sector that we are in, but I think there is massive potential. I think we've got a brilliant team with brilliant plans who like and respect each other. And, you know, if you, if you have the trust that comes with liking and respecting each other, honestly, you can do some amazing things. That is a great moment to finish on, Nick. Nick Hale, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your thoughts on this. Uh, if you like and respect each other, you can do amazing things. And, and trust is obviously a fundamental part of that. So really, really appreciate your time, Nick. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Joe.